This is Ever Present, an Eden Project podcast, equipping you to connect deeply with God, yourself, and others. Welcome to the Ever Present podcast. It's Duke Brevard, the Eden Project. I'm joined by Tard Warmers and Phil Herndon from Tin Man. Thank you guys for joining us for another episode. Uh, really uh, diving into a theology of emotion. We're just saying, hey, we, we were created uh, by a relational God. We've been given this interior life uh, mm-hmm. where we feel feelings, and those feelings are telling us what to do next in relationship. They're, they're important data, they're important information, uh, relational information. Uh, in this episode, we're going to look at loneliness. And so start with you, Todd. Uh, what are we experiencing when we, when we feel lonely? Yeah, so loneliness is the feeling God gave us to know that we were meant for a relationship. I think it's we're really at the core of what our Imago Dei is, right? The Imago Dei is we're creating the image of God. God's image is three in one. And so God has always been in relationship with himself, with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so because he's made us in his same image, he's made us for relationship. And so this is the feeling that God's given us to let us know that we're made for relationship in four places. Uh, the first place is our relationship with him our relationship with others, our relationship with ourselves, and finally our relationship, our desire for, you know, home or for heaven, as the, the writer of Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes 3.11 says. Okay. Yeah, I think it's really interesting um, that a lot of, you know, a lot of people think that emotions are, are wrong or maybe even that emotions evidence a lack of faith. Like if I had more faith, I wouldn't feel, right? I would be above all that. I would float above all of the hard things about life and just deal with it. Uh, but we see loneliness in the garden even before sin, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that it said it wasn't good for man to be alone. That's right. Uh, not because it, the garden was, was sinful, uh, but because he was made for relationship. And there was no woman. There was no other human yet. Um, and so we, Adam was made for relationship. That's right. He needed, needed someone else. So yeah, that's really helpful. Um, and where do we see um, Jesus in, 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 experience loneliness? Okay, Jesus is fully human. Uh, he comes to earth. He's, he's tempted in every way that we are. He's experiencing everything that we experience. Um, where, where do we see Jesus lonely in, in the Gospels? I think the most poignant place about that is the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, Jesus, you know, we, it, it, it's easy, at least for Christ followers, to know that, man, he was within hours of going to the cross, the mock trials and the cross and our redemption, our atonement, and uh, right before then, he goes into a very lonely place, and he calls his three three of his closest friends with him and says, hey, keep watch, pray for me, please, literally stay awake. And he says to them, I'm so sad, it's about to overwhelm me. I need you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there, there are several times that Jesus calls them to him, uh, those three in particular, and he Part of his weeping at the tomb of Lazarus certainly was sadness and his anger towards sin and the cost of it and that, all, all of that too. But there's a part of him, uh, of Jesus, that is also in relationship with Lazarus as a friend. And like without Lazarus here, it's lonely. And so we, we see that all, all through. Paul, Paul goes on missionary journeys, and we tend, I tend to look at Paul as this high, exalted, super-Christian I can forget that at his base, he didn't want to go on missionary journeys alone. He wanted somebody with him. And so we see it throughout, and we mentioned in other podcast episodes about all the one another's. Those speak to loneliness, too. Do this with one another. There's an assumption in the, in the gospel. In the gospel, there's an assumption 
that we are going to do this with one another. And part of that is we are the body. Another part of that is going back to Genesis 2, where God says, hey, this is not good that, that Adam is alone. So that's not just about marriage. It's about human relationship, period. Yeah, that's great. I love it. So when I'm experiencing loneliness and I want to process it in truth, I want to process it in relationship, what do I need? Um, what, what, do I, what do I do and what do I need uh, to process my loneliness? I think relationship, for sure. I mean, as we've been saying, all these uh, feelings can only be played out through relationships with uh, not just myself, not just with God, but for sure other people. I think so often we think, if I can just do these feelings with me and God, I'll be fine. And it goes back to what Phil said. We we weren't meant just to do them uh, alone with God. We were meant to li- do this with other people, and doing it with other people will really drive us back to Him. And so um, I think— this is the gift of really the church. I think the church is the hope of the world. And, you know, I love AA and those places, but there is something very unique about the body of Christ being united together through uh, feelings that lets us know we're meant, as you said, to be with one another. Mm-hmm. So it's a lost. I think this, this feeling in the church is a lost art for sure. Yeah, for sure. Even in, you know, we, most most folks would be familiar with the movie Castaway, and when you look at that movie, uh, the Tom Hanks character had kind of been marooned on Eden, perfect environment, no deadlines, no boss, no traffic, no hassle, perfect weather, and this guy risked life and limb to get back to Memphis, Tennessee <laughs> from a perfect place, and like no one in the theater went, well, that guy's crazy. Who would want to go back to Memphis, Tennessee, if you're going to be in this amazing tropical paradise? And we, Because we know intuitively, oh, the people he loves are in Memphis. The one another's in his life are in Memphis. He wants to go back there, and he'll risk life and limb to do it. And then he gets there, and she's married somebody else, and he goes out to West Texas and delivers the package. Of, oh, I see how this ends. He, he, he's going to get with this woman and fall in love. And he just hands her the package, and he leaves. And goes, oh, no. And then she comes to the intersection and go, oh, great. And then she drives off. And the, all of us at the same time went, oh, no. <laughs> there he is by himself at a crossroads in West Texas. And there's something about that writing that speaks to our internal made in the image of God that, like, I want him reconnected in relationship. And it didn't happen. That's brilliant writing and frustrating. And the frustrating part is we recognize that it makes perfect sense that he would do all that he did in that movie. And he, and he had a relationship with a volleyball named Wilson. And when Wilson, I even say when Wilson jumped off the raft, uh, he no, 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 the volleyballs don't jump off rafts. <laughs> I had personified this. Sure. Oh no, Wilson! Oh, and the, no. because we know, like I would a thousand percent get in a relationship with a volleyball if I was all by myself. Because we're that intensely relational, and no one left the theater going, "Man, I think that was a movie about psychosis." Because that volleyball is not even a person, and that guy left a perfect place to go back to Memphis. What the heck? No one said that because we know we are that God has made us to be that intensely relational. Yeah, gosh, that's so, so helpful. It's a metaphor. One thing that. I think is, is interesting about loneliness is it's nuanced based on the person uh, that you're you're thinking about. So, in other words, if I go away on a, a on a trip with my wife and we've just spent three nights together and we've had a great time, I don't necessarily feel lonely for Caroline. But if I, my oldest daughter has been doing a lot with school and she's been gone, we've had very little time together. When I go in and start to think about Lily, I start to identify loneliness. But it's it's not general loneliness; it's actually precise. It's saying. 
but it's telling me relationally what to do next. It's like, hey, I need to go pursue Lily because I'm feeling lonely for Lily specifically, even though I've had some really meaningful relationship with mm-hmm. God or some really mm-hmm. meaningful relationship in my marriage. And so that's been helpful for me over time as I've worked with Tim Man just to kind of start to think through each of the most important relationships that I have and to say, is there someone that I'm lonely for? Mm-hmm. And then it invites me to, to do pursuit. And to actually reach out to that person and actually say, hey, I'm made for it and you're made for it. I want something with you. And I, I got an action step to go yeah. and pursue a relationship with you. Um, let's talk a little bit about the impairment. What happens when people are experiencing lonely, uh, but they won't be honest about it or they won't tell the truth about it and they won't address it? Uh, what are some of the impairments that we experience? Um, you you said it. You you kind of tipped the hand, uh, Duke, when you were ending your, your thoughts around, around Lily. And you said the word pursuit. Well, what happens if we don't identify and explore and express our loneliness? Pursuit stops in a form called apathy. And this, 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 you know, the word apathy means without pathos. It means without feeling, without pain. And so apathy is that, that, that lack of feeling that says, I just don't care. And so pursuit leaves the vocabulary. I'm not going to pursue anything back to the movie. The character could have just said, well, I'll just while away my days here on this island that's just it's over anyway so but this guy was pursuing he was keeping the time on the cave wall he was paying attention to the tides and all those things and just think about when we're when we're actively in our own skin in our own identities how much time we spend thinking about the ones we're lonely for specifically and what i need to do what can i do to pursue that like Todd and I are, are away from home with 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 you and Nathan and Chuck this, this week and we've had a really great time but in the off times, we're we're texting with and calling Sheila and Jennifer and back home, like oh, and so it's like we're pursuing what we can with our wives, for instance, while we're here. Love being here, love being in Dallas, love being with y'all, but we're not apathetic around the people we're not with. And apathy says, oh well, it's a, you know, it's a, without any pain. And so being lonely, like the rest of these feelings, means I'm signing up for pain. And apathy says I'm just not going to feel it. I'm going to be numb to it. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. What happens if we, we live in that apathetic season for a long, long time? And we just find that we don't pursue relationship. We isolate for extended period. Yeah, it leads to evil, like evil actions. I think of, you know, the just in Nashville, we had a shooting, right, at a elementary school. And, like, man, the, the loneliness that that girl must have felt, that she had no place to express what was going on in her. She had no relationships to go be her with anyone else that led her to a really dark, dark place that led her to some really, really evil actions. Um, And I just wonder if she had had a safe place to talk about what was going on in her, that Mm -hmm. someone would actually have seen her, would would she have gone that far? I, I, I think that's the place of when I start seeing evil things, I'm like, man, those are some lonely, lonely people. Mm -hmm. Uh, that have become apathetic to to people, because apathy really is. I will. I'm refusing to be in relationship. I will not do relationship again. These impairments are about power not to do relationship with people and how they express themselves in different ways. But it is about the power of refusal through relationship that then will lead to some really evil things. Yeah, that's so insightful. It feels like almost every school shooter or or serial killer period have have been very impaired relationally people. I mean, the loner, the unabomber, these people are, are people that don't do relationship and eventually it's leading them down to a path mm-hmm. of, of just dehumanized, um, you know, they, 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 they lack any ability to actually love or, or really even relate with empathy to mm-hmm. what it's like for other people 
Uh, so, yeah, that's a helpful thing. Um, yeah. There's a, uh, I'm going to change some of the details just for confidentiality or, or just to the sanctity of the story. But, uh, I worked with a guy one time who had serial uh, abuses in his life. And he, I worked with him for quite a while. And he said, I, I need to tell you about the single most painful thing that's ever happened to me. And I really, I thought, I've been doing this a long time. And I thought, wow, I, I, I literally can only imagine what in the world is he going to say? Because what he had already told, oh my goodness. And what he told was he had been um, severely physically abused, uh, an incident. And the difference in this one was a parent uh, physically harmed him very, very deeply. And he remembers lying at the foot of the stairs of his childhood home. And he said the most painful part of all of that is the other parent got up. And he said, I remember lying there on the floor thinking, oh, good. This parent's going to come to my aid, so to speak. He said, I, I laid there and I saw this parent's foot go over me, stepped over me, and just went on up the stairs. It's apathy. I'm not going to feel the effects of seeing what just happened to my son right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And he stepped over him and went upstairs. That, 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 that when we say evil, we're not talking about demon possession. And as, as Todd said, we're not talking about necessarily uh, shooters and those kinds of things. We're talking about a person being, as he said, so isolated that they're capable of seeing or perpetrating great evil and it has seems to have no effect and so the man told me point blank of a a, a litany of things that had happened to him the single most painful one was when someone stepped over him and left Hmm. apathy this communicated you don't matter enough Mm -hmm. to actually intervene i don't have anger for you Mm -hmm. yeah you can basically do life on your own Mm -hmm. we're not here to help yeah it's devastating yeah, so uh, when I'm experiencing loneliness and I'm willing to tell the truth, what's the gift um, that I experience, Phil? What, what's the payoff for really pressing into it? Loneliness is, is one of the most poignant ways we know that we are, I'm going to go back to what Todd said in Ecclesiastes 3, that we are made to be deeply known. We, we, that's a, a need. I need to be known. Or as Kirk Thompson says, I need to be seen need to know that someone's seeing me, and that's called intimacy. And there's a play on words. It can be called into me see. There really are three, three actually Hebrew words that describe intimacy. One is to know, and the other is a, a word of reciprocity. It means to be known. And the other connotation of that word means to be taken into one's confidence. It means like oh, I, intimacy is high-level trust or perhaps deep level of trust, deep level of truth-telling, deep level of of knowing it's like you can be in a room <laughs> todd and i are often in rooms and we're just together or in a hotel room while we're here in dallas and we do a lot of talking to one another but we're not talking all of the time but yet that man knows me and i know him and we have a history together of loving one another being friends and now colleagues and ministry together and and you we've all most people have experienced this this idea is like you know even if we're not saying anything to one another I know I'm seen and safe and known by him and he knows me and I know him and I know his life and he knows my life and he knows my son and my wife and I know his wife and his children and uh, it's beyond a knowing about him it's like I know what he feels about these people and what I feel about these people and so there's a 
this intimacy is far deeper. When Jesus says, I and my Father are one, he's saying like in intimate relationships that in our humanness won't ever be like that one. But he off, so often talks about that in the gospel. In the gospels, he says, I and my Father are one. Like I am so tied to him that when I am, I am never not with him relationally. So when we're intimate with people, when you and and Caroline are gone, you're not absent from Lily other than physically. You're not absent from her emotionally, uh, but yet you feel lonely for her because you are not absent from her because you see into her and desire that she sees into her dad in that way. So intimacy is this deep knowing and reciprocal knowing. Yeah. Now, we've just uh, walked through— um in the past three years, COVID and, and people being moved into more isolation in many cases. And then we're seeing broadly, culturally, this being called a loneliness epidemic, that loneliness is on the rise statistically. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing this, this phenomenon called alone together that Sherry Turkle talks about, that it's just this idea that we might even be in the room, but so distracted by technology mm-hmm. that we're not actually present. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not actually exchanging the kind of uh, intimate information that You've just said that you guys have in your friendship um, and your fellowship. And so, uh, yeah, what does it mean that our culture is moving further and further away from people having those kinds of connections, Uh, maybe having them with God or having them with a couple of other spiritual friends? Uh, What's the fallout of that, even collectively in in a culture? It's leading more and more to a place of self-sufficiency and a place that's moving away from being needy. If we get, get away from being needy, then we can't actually do relationship with people, which will move us further and further away from, again, I think this is the this is the church. I mean, this is the importance of the church. We can be needy with one another. And, uh, you know, I'm a pastor at a small Baptist church in rural Tennessee. And one of the things we hear all the time is more and more people are coming from the big churches in, this, in town. Like, man, there's just something about uh, this place of people actually know me. And I think... That is, like you just said, that there's such an epidemic, but now there's such a, a place of moving back towards that and the need mm-hmm. for that and just the, the beauty of that. And so I think it, we are in great danger of being in front of a screen all day, not being needy, being self-sufficient. And I think that's that will be the downfall of our society is um, just uh, total isolation, but being totally—I joke with people all the time. I love—I'm an urban guy, but um, and I'm an introvert. But I love being around people, and I'm like, I love this city because I can be around people, and yet I don't have to be known by anybody. And that's da- that's a very dangerous place for me. I look back in my life that be like, man, my Jenny used to tell me she was like, you know, a thousand—you have a thousand friends and no friends at all. And uh, she was right, and it, it led me to a very, very dangerous, dangerous place of. Um, and that's what led me to my porn addiction. And what was happening internally was I was tricking my brain through intensity with pornography and my brain was receiving it as intimacy, but it was really intensity. And because, it, because there was no intimate moment, there was no attachment going on in the brain. It just kept driving me further and further for true attachment to be known. And, uh, the, the antidote of that has been known by Phil and some other friends. Like, man, when I feel lonely, I know to make a call, like, so I can make that attachment in the brain. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think that we are in danger of becoming more and more isolated if we don't move our people, the church, in 
deeper and deeper community. Yeah, no, and people are hungry for it. I remember reading an article that was saying that there was like some kind of hobby group in New York or Brooklyn or somewhere, and it was something like crocheting or something. I mean, it was it was a very obscure hobby. And all the people that came had to introduce themselves and basically say, hey, why are you here? Why'd you come? And they were all like, I really don't care about crocheting, but I needed some outlet to re-engage in community and relationship because I got isolated from my friends. Mm-hmm. People moved. Everything changed. Uh, my social reality was just totally upended. And I'm just looking for another on-ramp. Mm-hmm. So I'm Tom Hanks. I just got to get off the island, and I got to go find people, and mm-hmm. I got to go find connection because mm-hmm. uh, I'm made for it. Right. And, and so I do – I'm hopeful, even though, as we see this loneliness epidemic – that perhaps we're going to see some people start to identify that and go, wait a minute, uh, did, listening to a, a sermon online is not the same as showing up to be in, mm-hmm. in the community. Uh, you know, I've got to go and find that life, that so attachment, true. those those environments, so that they're living fully into the design so. of, of what we're what we're experiencing and what we're made for. Um, Phil, as you think about loneliness, um, what are the things you think our audience would need to understand if they're going to continue to identify it as they're experiencing it and take meaningful steps towards the connections that we're, we're made for. Todd, Todd touched on it. Um, we are in a increasingly densely populated world, literally like more and more people. Uh, we're, you know, becoming cities. There, there's no major metropolitan that I know of in the country where it's Dallas, Fort Worth or Nashville at Murfreesboro where we live, that they're becoming one city. Like, you know, there's very little difference between Dallas and Fort Worth. It's, it's just people, uh, in between the two. And, and so as we become more densely populated in some ways or more clustered together, uh, it, what it does, it puts into sharp relief the difference between being around people and being lonely, right? Because the number of people is not the measure of loneliness. The depth of relationship is the measure. Mm-hmm. And so if I can pay attention to who is it that really knows me, who is it that regardless if I'm around a million people or one person, or, or somewhere in between, how deeply known am I, and and how what happens inside of me when when I feel something inside that says I need relationship, I need someone to talk to, I need someone to be with, I need someone to run something by, like those little seemingly mundane things are, are God's way of speaking to us so often to say you need to reconnect relationally. You need to know and be known and take someone into your confidence and be taken into by them as well. And so it, it's easy to go like, well, no, I'm surrounded by all kinds of people. Like that that can be a great thing. What is the depth of relationship with the people that truly know you and that you truly know? Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, and I'm thinking um, even even if we do find ourselves in an, uh, a human isolation where we don't have access to human relationship, some of the promises of the Holy Spirit and the promises of the gospel, uh, even the Great Commission, Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm reminded of First uh, Samuel 30 when when uh, David and all his men, their wives and all their stuff is stolen, <laughs> I believe, by the Philistines, um, and they're completely alone, and then, and then David's men turn on him. Mm-hmm. And they say, we, we're mad at you because our wives and stuff is gone. You were leading us somewhere else, and everything happened. And it says that David went and strengthened himself in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, that he didn't have anybody else. All his friends turned on him. Everybody was gone. Everybody's mad at him. He had nowhere else but God. And, but it, he strengthened himself in the Lord. He, mm-hmm. he prays Psalm 22. He starts with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> and he talks about his loneliness. But mm-hmm. then by the end of the psalm, you can see the attachment has happened, yes. and the Lord has met him when there was no one else. That's right. And so that's, that's an encouragement even to our audience that 
Um, yes, we're going to need to go and find human uh-huh. fellowship. We need to go find spiritual friends. We need to go find the church. And if you find yourself completely abandoned by your community for mm-hmm. whatever reason, completely left alone, or or even the people you love die, yeah. you, you you just grow old. Uh, the Lord is actually one who who's ever present, yes, uh, and who's available relationally all the time. And this same guy you're talking about, David, he had a friend. Uh, that the word means chained at the heart, a guy named Jonathan. And they, these guys were intimate friends, chained at the heart. And when you read David's lament when Saul, which is so ironic, Saul's death, and, 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 and Jonathan's death, David says his love was greater than that the love of a woman. It's like, I'm married, I love my wife, but my relationship with this man, Jonathan, was of such a depth. There is no other human love on earth that touches the depth of this one. Speaking of the, the his, his intimacy with his friend Jonathan, that's such a, can be kind of hidden there in the pages of Scripture, but what a, an incredibly human moment where he's just lamenting about the loss of a friendship, of a friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely, it's beautiful. So and, and David's called a man after God's own heart, and he mm-hmm. becomes a model, really, mm-hmm. of somebody who knows how to really do relationship. Mm-hmm. He knows how to do it with God, and he knows how to do it even with another adult male in ways that some of us are really still learning mm-hmm. how to do. Um, just really encourage that you guys have that with one another. Nathan and I actually have that with one another after mm-hmm. 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we really just want to encourage people to say, hey, if you don't, um, and take the risk to find some safe people mm-hmm. and to really tell the truth uh, to those folks because you can start to have a depth that that does meet a need that, that isn't mm-hmm. met by a thousand friends and isn't met uh, superficially yeah. uh, as we kind of move around in, in different communities. And so that's really the gift of loneliness. Thank you guys for, mm-hmm. for contributing. Thank you yeah, for your insights. You. Uh, man, I'm just so thankful that God gives us loneliness so we know <laughs> what to do and we know how to move into the relationships that we're made for. Uh, it's it's totally living when we are connected that way. And you guys are exemplars of that. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for listening to the Ever Present Podcast. If this resource has been helpful to you, we would ask that you share it with your friends. Leave a comment on the podcast platform and help get this resource into the hands of other people. If you want to reach out to us, you can always email us at podcast at edenteam.org. And now as you go throughout the rest of your day, just remember that God's posture toward you is strong, persistent, and positive. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.